1: We are all over. the 10-year yield today. Welcome to The Exchange, everybody. I'm Kelly Evans. Bond yields are soaring and market expectations for year-end rates, by the way, just hit a fresh high of 5.5%. We're going to look at what's driving that, especially today. What one former Fed governor says those calling for a pivot are simply wrong. What David Einhorn just said about all of this and where you should be putting your money. Plus, elsewhere, shares of Tesla have been on a tear so far this year. And we've got Investor Day today. Will that help or hurt the momentum? We'll get the latest on that from an unexpected bull on the stock and three ways to better play the AI craze. Three different areas of tech and the names best positioned in each. We've got all of that coming up. But first, Dom Chu with the Sawtooth Markets today. It's
2: in Sawtooth is right, and we're kind of in a soft spot. And I'll explain, Kelly, the reason why we're talking about that soft spot right now, especially for the broader S&P 500, is that we're currently at 39.60 for that broader based index. Now, this is right in between the levels 39.40 and 39.80. 39.80 above is the 50-day average price for the S&P. 39.40 below that is the 200-day. So you're moving right in between some of these moving averages. So it's kind of that soft spot. You don't exactly know where it's going to go, but it's right in between a couple of technical levels that some traders are watching. But right now we're down about one-quarter of 1% or 10 points, 39.59, like I pointed out. And just to give you an idea, the range has been generally negative today. Up one at the highs of the session, down 31 at the lows. So, again, tilting towards the lower end of things. The Dow Industrial is just about flat on the session, 11,414. For the NASDAQ composite, the underperformer down about one third of 1%. One reason why we've seen some weakness, at least relatively speaking, in that Tesla trade. Now, this is relative. This is a stock that's doubled off of its January lows, but still, Tesla shares down one and three quarters percent as we anticipate that big investor day as it comes up today. Also, Rivian Automotive down 18% after the bell yesterday. Some more disappointing results. A mixed report, but the production forecast was underwhelming for some. But that's carrying through to names like Lucid Group, Fisker, and Neo as well. Generally speaking, that EV, electrical vehicle trade, has been down in the day so far. And then one other place to keep an eye on right now is what's happening with MegaCap technology. It's a new month. March may be a little bit better, hopefully, than what we saw earlier this year. But NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, all of these tech names are starting off at least with some kind of more tepid footing here. Gains here for Alphabet, but still watch Apple. By the way, interestingly enough, Kelly, I know that you know I watch a lot of the top ticker searches that we have on our website Apple has always been a top 10 ticker search. Recently, it's fallen off. There's a lot more interest, at least there was yesterday, in meta platforms hmm. in terms of a ticker search than Apple. So we'll watch that Mega Cap Deck Trade. Or play I would out. have
1: thought Nvidia, Dom, that that was the new Apple. Nvidia
2: is still up there. In fact, Nvidia was higher on the list this time around than both Meta and Apple. It's
1: the new N. Uh, Dom, thank you. you got it. Let's get to rates. The 10-year yield went back above 4% today for the first time since last fall. There you see it. We're just off those levels. Why today? Let's get to Rick Santelli at the CME. Rick?
3: Well, I'm going to borrow that chart you just showed. Let's go back to that 10-year chart. Prices paid today was the culprit uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern when it was released. And you do see that touch at 4% almost precisely where it stopped. And that is a big psychological area and most likely will prove to be important relative to a close, should it occur today or not. And if we open the chart up, yes, it's been since November 9th that we closed at or above 4%, as you see on that chart. And all that excitement affected the entire curve because Tuesday 10s is flirting with minus 90 basis points. It has never closed Uh, at 90 basis points of inversion or more in four decades, so potentially another expansion. And on prices paid, let's go to the protagonist here, or antagonist, depending on your position. Five-month high at 51.3, as you see. But I gave you a wider chart, pre-COVID, because as important as that is, it is still only getting back to pre-COVID levels. The market might be a little trigger-happy here and if you consider boon yields, they're also watching their own data today. German February CPI at 9.3 was one-tenth hotter than January, but way below its 11.6 October peak. But nonetheless, look at those boons marching up. They closed at an half year high at 271. And boons, not far behind. Higher in yield, but not comping. 385 close for guilds. That's a five-month high. They have a variety of Brexit issues, but that inflation in Europe also affecting all sovereigns, just like it is in 10s here. Do Kelly, you, Rick, back to you.
1: Do you. What do you think? So a lot of people I see are using the stagflation term again today.
3: Well, you know, they, they can use the stagflation term, but there's very little doubt in my mind that, that prices paid got a whole lot more horsepower today based on what we saw out of the harmonized CPI and all the inflation numbers that have been coming out all week out of Europe.
1: All right, Rick Santelli, thank you very much. If the market is looking for a pivot, and I think they are past that at this point, but they're definitely not getting it from these Fed comments. Former Federal Reserve Governor Frederick Mishkin was on Squawk Box this morning, explaining why the Fed is not easing anytime soon.
4: When you get behind the curve, in order to get inflation back under control, you have to raise rates a lot, and in fact, you inevitably have a recession. So, the, the you know, this is just life. Uh, the Fed is actually doing the right thing now.
1: Yeah, well, in other words, he's not sort of dancing around the point that it will lead to recession. That view... Uh, by the way, on higher rates, reinforced by Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. He says it doesn't really matter if it's a quarter, half a point hike at the next meeting because, quote, at this point, I've not decided what my dot is going to look like, but I lean towards continuing to rise raise further. I would continue to push up my policy path. Joining me now with more on the Fed and markets, Bill Stone is chief investment officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Nancy Tangler is CEO of Laffer Tangler Investments. CNBC.com finance editor Jeff Cox is with us as well. Where to begin? Uh, Bill, I'll start with you and go left to right here. How about that? I mean, if Michigan is right about a recession uh, being the inevitable result of this, does it make you rethink uh, how you're positioned here?
0: Well, not necessarily, because honestly, we went into the year honestly thinking we would get a recession at some point. I'd say we thought you might get it a little bit earlier in the year because, you know, the way some of the numbers were starting to to play out at the end of last year, but we really started to accelerate again. The you know Atlanta Fed's GDP now is up to expecting about 2.3% here in the first uh, quarter for GDP. So it's not going to, well, almost shortly, not going to be here in the first quarter. Um, so I-, I think Michigan's right. You know if They have to keep pressing on higher rates. You just better expect that eventually they break something uh, and may have to break something. Uh, Kashkari talked about the fact that services is a problem. I say it's a problem. It hasn't weakened the way they expected. And that hasn't, you know, that's a big part of what's the sticky part of the inflation. So look for them to keep hiking because eventually they'll, it'll probably or it will hit uh, payrolls and jobs. And then that will, kind of uh, start that, unfortunately, that way, but that'll likely be the only way we get inflation to, to move in the direction we need it to go.
1: Right. So in other words, it wouldn't be a surprise to you. And it, I guess the question is whether it is fully priced in your stocks. You still like Berkshire, you like Discovery Financial, you like Medtronic. Nancy, maybe I'll turn to you. Do you think there were recessions already priced in?
5: I don't know, Kelly. I, I kind of think so. we we've, we've, It's been the best telegraphed or the longest telegraphed recession that I remember. Um, so we know, nonetheless, that growth is slowing. And that's informed the way that we've um, been moving our portfolios, adding to risk. Uh, I think Bill's right. I think it comes at some point this year. It's just a question of how deep it will be and and whether or not um, it, it sustains. We sort of expect kind of shallow, um, kind of not lasting very long. And therefore, if that's the case, we think that um, equities probably have priced in uh, what, what they expect out of earnings, and if you take, you know, if you look at the multiple X Fang stocks, we're trading at 14.8 times. So there are places where you can make money. We've been adding to technology and consumer discretionary names, as you know, hmm. and um, we're we'll, we're continuing to do that. Okay. Why is that for those sectors, Nancy, or where in particular? Well, so in technology, you know, we love uh, ServiceNow, Palo Alto Networks. Those are both in our 12 best ideas portfolio, Microsoft, uh, Broadcom, really with a focus on um, cloud, cyber, of course. And um, then if you look at the solution to that or the solution to productivity problems and, and productivity improved in the last labor cost report period, um, you've got to have digital solutions. And so we're seeing old economy companies embracing digital solutions. And we, we are also invested in those. So think of Chipotle, McDonald's, which are using digi- digitization to their benefit. Uh, you could add Starbucks, though we, we don't own Starbucks any longer. Yeah. Um, so, so I think there's places to go. And um, if, you you know, stock pickers market, you and I I think probably two or three years ago talked about Intel and I just said it's enough already. Yes, Well, we did get out. But um, if you just look at that stock compared to the socks, that tells you everything you need to know about this market. It matters what you own.
1: Yeah, fair enough. It's probably the poster child. I remember that day very well. Jeff, let me (laughs) turn to you. So we have 10 year above 4 percent. Fed funds at five and a half percent. You know, we have a stock market that is trying to rally uh, in light of all this and tons of recession talk. How does how does that square with you?
6: Well, you know, for a long time, Kelly, the market had heard what it wanted to hear from the Fed. Uh, Kashkari, as you mentioned earlier, he talked about this today, that he's kind of tired of even talking about what the stock market does. He said he doesn't care. You know, he's just like, hey, the stock market's going to go up, the stock market's going to go down. I'm watching bond yields. I'm watching financial conditions. I think the market is finally starting to react to this. You know, more and more economists I talk to when we talk about Fed funds rate, about a terminal rate, I'm hearing more and more talk about 6% now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's where we're heading um, Rick uh, Santelli before made a very good point about the prices paid index going up in the manufacturing index. I think that manufacturing index would have been, been even further in contraction were it not for that prices component. So, so, um, but,
1: but let's think about what, what you just said there. I mean, you're basically mm-hmm. saying the ISM, the leading gate, would have been even worse if not for the fact that the bad thing rose. You know, yeah. that's not that's not a great that's yes. not a great thing for equity investors.
6: No, and so there, there's more money floating out there. I mean, I, I think that you know the Fed's kind of trying to pound the table more and more. Uh, uh, officials like Kashkari, um, Austin Goolsby yesterday talked about the fact that he doesn't worry about what, about what the market is. They're convinced that they want to tackle inflation. Um, Chris Waller, a couple months ago, talked about head fakes with inflation data. And I think we're starting to see that now. We saw that November and December soft inflation data start to turn around now in January. That's exactly what they were worried about. So I think, yeah, that four percentage point, that four point move in the 10 year is telling you that the market's starting to brace now for higher policy rates from the Fed.
1: Are you impressed, Bill, that that the stocks have been as resilient as they have been with uh, with all of this?
6: Yeah, I am. Although, you know, you really
0: you can kind of time it. I mean, honestly, right on the day in terms of the day after we got the last strong payrolls report that the S&P topped out and we're down roughly 5% off of that. But you're right. right, it, It certainly could have been worse, I think. You know it's like everything else, right? It depends what level you come from. So we were already in this kind of higher rate environment. so I, it's not as shocking, I think, to stocks when you have it happen a second time. And also you had a you had this situation where the economy is frankly, you know held up much better than than I think most would have expected here, like I said earlier, into the first quarter. Uh, So maybe earnings won't be quite as bad as some people thought, at least here in the first quarter. Like I said, I think you've got to prepare yourself that it gets a little tougher here. Maybe toward the end of the year, if we do, in fact, see that recession that I think we'll get.
1: Yeah, it reminds me, Nancy, of what Dave Zervo said several months ago, that this year was going to be, quote unquote, torture. And you alluded to this as well. I mean, this has been the most telegraphed recession of all time. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen, you know, but if it's in the back half, people are so tired of hearing about it now that they're, it almost becomes the boy who cried wolf. And then the, is
5: it, how does it work? The wolf actually shows up. Right. Well, I'm, uh, they might be tired of talking about the market. I'm tired of listening to Fed speak. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it flip-flops all over the place. And you just go back a year and look at the dot plot, and they didn't have rate increases until 2024. Now we've got rate uh, decreases in 2024. But who knows? I don't think they know. And so they've been really good, uh, really bad on policy and really good on rhetoric. And so I think that that is why the market didn't believe them. Uh, because they, they've said so many things over the last year. And it's only been a year. I mean, we we were still easing this time last year. It's crazy. So I, I think, you know, if we get to 6%, I, we're a heck of a lot closer to it now than we were, uh, you know, a year ago. And separately, we know that inflation m- goes up, mostly symmetrically comes down, same. But it doesn't move linearly. So, you know, we'll, we'll get a report like last week, I think, or uh, last month, I, I think a lot of, the, the things that um, are lagging, like housing, are about to to really work through the, the numbers. And we will see inflation coming down pretty significantly. Uh, you know, the prices paid today, uh, not good, anomalous, but it's a one one data point. Yeah. And, and I think the market has been just whipsawing on one data point, just like the jobs report that will get, the January jobs report will get um, revised. And I think, you know, we have to look at trends And we have to anticipate where we think we're going. And uh, I I think this data-dependent Fed is behind the curve
6: typically.
1: Absolutely. I wish I could put the whole month on 1.3x for the economic data and just get through it already. Uh, Jeff, I'll give you a quick last word.
6: Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I, I... Talk to the economists about and have actually asked some Fed officials about this is when we look back at all this, did we learn anything from any of this? And you wonder, you know, um, the Fed was so far behind the curve as far as inflation went. Um, you know, they kept the, the pedal to the metal. They kept buying bonds. They kept doing QE, that whole thing. Um, do they learn anything from this? You know, when, when we go back into the next cycle, which, you know, it, is inevitable, will we see a, a more proactive Fed or will we, will we continue to see and a it reactive It
1: doesn't Fed? sound like it. They'll say, oh, we're not going to listen to the stock market. No,
5: okay,
6: it, well, exactly. You know. <laughs> I mean, and are I, and you going to listen to
1: any kind of predictive information from financial markets? I think
6: like the last 13 or 14 months of market history just shows the kind of uh, just frustration that investors have with the Fed now that. And, and I think you it know, makes a good point about can we just finally get away from Fed speak and, and just can you guys just set policy and stop trying to predict the future because you're frankly you're not very good at it
1: yeah rick santelli by the way not not loving uh this whole hey, nancy he kind of agrees he said the ford the fed forced us all into equities they created there is no alternative and now they're saying they don't care about the markets they don't care that they're sinking uh, very apt to everybody thank you bill stone jeff cox and nancy actually thank stick you. around we can't let you go without talking tesla you've been a bull for the past couple of months the stock's up 60 percent so far this year um are you sticking with it as they hold their investor day what are you listening for
5: yeah, Kelly. So I think, you know, Elon Musk is the most underestimated CEO in the country and, uh, and personality. And so what you heard people saying was that he was terribly distracted with Twitter. Um, it doesn't appear that that was the case. And compared to previous distractions when he was, you know, butting heads with the SEC and hanging out with Joe Rogan uh, late late at night, um, th- this, this seemed much easier to us for him to get under control. And the pressure on the stock clearly claimed from from him selling shares and the short sellers, so we stepped in because we've owned it in the past and we got out too early. And so I think what we'll be listening for is, you know, what 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 is the um, expectation for the new forty six eighty or the forty six eighty battery sure. technology? What is he going to do about the lithium problem? We run at clean energy. Uh, strategy, uh, infrastructure strategy. And, you know, we own lithium. um, We own uh, all the metals and miners that drive planetary decarbonization. But there is a shortage. And um, we're going to have to come to grips with mining and and freeing up these metals so that the the EV market and green energy in general can grow. So I want to hear what he says about that. And then, of course, the next gen of cheaper car for the masses. I think that's going to be very important to investors. Uh, what what he says in that regard, his projections, I'm less concerned about because right. they never hit him. But, <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious
1: as he's or the company is reportedly looking at, you know, adding positions for AI and all of this. Um, we still have the Twitter, quote unquote, distraction. You know, what would be red flags for you tonight?
5: Well, I think uh, I hope that he gets the Twitter uh, CEO solution solved quickly. He tweeted out the other day that Twitter was his $44 billion not for profit. Right. Which um, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. But um, I think what we're going to be walk- what really um, concerned about is margins. So even though, you know, when he did the price cut, it did drive demand, they're now. Um, demand is two times production levels. So I wanna hear how they're gonna meet that demand and then what uh, what expectations he has for margins going forward. Um, he's in an enviable position though, Kelly, because his margins at Tesla are two times Uh, at more than two times Ford and GM. So he's got a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to drive demand. And then what what's going to happen in China?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's critical. It's a great point. And and on the point about margins, too, I mean, people pay up for that. If it looks like they're going to turn into just a regular old car maker, you know, people will be a lot less excited. Nancy, appreciate it very much. Thanks for all your time today. Thank you, Kelly. Nancy Tangler with Laffer Tangler Investments. meantime, prospective home buyers are on the sidelines as mortgage rates have moved higher. Diana Olick has the latest read, Diana
7: yeah kelly mortgage rates moved higher again last week as you said and that continued the pullback from home buyers even as the spring housing market is supposed to be heating up mortgage applications to buy a home dropped six percent last week compared with the previous week according to the mortgage bankers association volume was 44 percent lower than the same week one year ago it is now at a 28 year low and this is the average rate on the 30-year fixed rose to 6.71% from 6.62, that's for loans with 20% down. That's the highest rate since November of last year. Now, mortgage rates have moved 50 basis points higher in just the past month. Last February, rates were in the 4% range. Applications to refi a home loan, down 6% for the week, down 74% year over year, and that's because there are just very few borrowers left who haven't already refied at the record low rates we were seeing just over a year ago. As for this week, mortgage rates haven't moved all that much, but the trajectory appears to be higher after that brief respite we saw in January, Kelly. And my
1: head uh, sort of spun uh, and did a 360, Diana, when Torsten Slock at Apollo put out a note this week saying he thinks the housing recovery has started.
7: Yeah, and if I had read that in January, I would have been, yeah, gung-ho, definitely started. We went to an open house, where so a ton of people, pending right. home sales, which were signed contract on existing homes, jumped dramatically in January. Why? Because mortgage rates came down to near 6%. Now, I have another reporter I'll tell you that I just got about five minutes ago saying Hmm. that the housing recovery has stalled. Hmm. Why? Because of these higher mortgage rates we're seeing. We're up heading towards 7% again, and we have inventory much lower. That is, new listings coming on the market in February are dramatically lower than a year ago. So while overall supply is more than a year ago, new listings are lower. What does that say? Nobody's buying the homes that are on the market because they're too expensive yeah
1: and rates are like a, a governor on this whole thing you know as soon as it looks better they go higher and it chokes it off uh, Diana great point thank you so much our Diana Olick coming up King Dollar taking a toll on monsters results last night the CEO saying the greenback strength overshadowed their overseas business the stock is down about two and a half percent today. But Monster, by the way, is the top S&P stock over the past 20 years. Better than Apple, better than Netflix, even NVIDIA. It's up 120,000%. So if you're looking for other FX stock plays like this, our next guest has three of them, including one that relies on the Bank of Japan plus from one of the worst in the Dow last year to number one in 2023. We've got the latest activism headlines around Salesforce ahead of their results after the bell. And here are the markets as we go to break, Dow clinging on to a 10-point gain. We're all over the map though. The NASDAQ down half a percent, 3.994 on the 10-year. We're back after this.
8: This is The Exchange. On CNBC.
4: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive...
1: Welcome back to The Exchange. More hawkish Fed speak today with Governor Neil Kashkari saying, quote, I would continue to push up my policy path. And that talk of higher rates, pushing up the dollar index, up nearly 20 percent from its lows in early 21. Are we headed back towards the late 22 highs? And how should you trade it and the affected stocks? Let's bring in Boris Schlossberg, managing director at BK Asset Management and a CNBC contributor. Boris, welcome. Let me cut right to the chase here. Are there other stocks right now you think could get monstered by the dollar?
9: Uh, They get monstered by the dollar. Um, I think you know it's a little bit more of a subtle situation at this point. I think the currency trade is kind of a three-way trade where the dollar stays more or less stationary, doesn't really rally much from here. The euro strengthens and the, weak remain, and the yen remains weak. So if you have that kind of a three-way trade, I actually think there are stocks that benefit in each one of those scenarios. And we can talk about them uh, in detail if you want.
1: Sure. So let's start, for instance, with uh, one that I think you're maybe more cautious on. Is it Diageo?
9: Yeah, Diageo. So the story here is, if Euro strengthens, Diageo is a great company and long-term, absolutely, you know, a great long-term hold. But here's the problem: it's it's a company that produces in Europe, whose main selling markets are actually North America and Asia Pacific, and organic growth in North America has really slowed significantly. I think sort of like the whole COVID, everybody. You know, having cocktails of trend is, is really tapered out for a little bit for now, um, and then I think is going to have problems for them just on an organic basis, and then more importantly because of the currency. If the euro strengthens, I do think it will strengthen against the dollar. Um, it's also going to create a currency tailwind. So long term, I think the stock is great, but for the next six months, it's going to be problematic, and you see the stock coming off. Uh, very much off the uh, uh, the COVID highs now. Uh, really trading uh, kind of very weak, and I think it's going to remain weak for the for the time being.
1: And so, to be clear on the kind of macro trade here, you think the dollar will? will it's not necessarily going to break out further from here. You see maybe range bound. You see the euro strengthening,
9: right? So, if and this assumes the following scenario. Basically, if you think that we're kind of muddling on through here economically, and the Fed. Remains gradual that's the critical thing if we're st- staying at twenty five basis versus fifty basis point hikes. The, the 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 umph in the dollar that the dollar had is, is kind of gone and I think that whatever rallies we have are essentially going to be tapering off. that means you're not going to have super strong king dollar going forward dollar really strength is on, on two conditions either it just runs runs ahead because of interest rates or it's a safety trade. And I think as long as the global economy kind of muddles through um, and the rates are, are going to get closer to terminal rate. Um, than they've already been because we've already done, like, most of the euro work, Uh, then I think the dollar rally is is tapered. And in that kind of condition, yeah, you're not going to see uh, dollar strength really, really hurt too many people.
1: Yeah, very. Well, and that'll be a relief. Whereas you do think that euro strength could be something more to watch for European profit margins. Uh, So dollars kind of range around.
9: they have a lot to catch up going on. there.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, my gosh, that's a whole other uh, sort of ball of yarn. Uh, Japan, you're sort of thinking the yen stays relatively weak here. as and, and that gives way to what could benefit American and Japanese multinationals. And that would explain yes. why both Nike and Toyota, you think, are places that people should should be looking right now.
9: Exactly. So I think this is the, the other interesting, the nuanced trade here is that I think the yen remains relatively weak. And, and that's because um, the Bank of Japan is pretty much going to, the new um, BOJ, uh, Commissioner Mr. Oyeda, it, who's coming in, said so he's going to continue the policies of Mr. Kuroda. Um, and that means just kind of a very, very controlled, yield controlled uh, uh, move on the BOJ monetary policy, meaning that they're really not going to tighten too much. Um, they did have very high inflation, but um, most of it has been energy. And since oil is relatively temperate, I don't think they're really going to get so if, if he again stays relatively weak, I think Toyota is kind of a surprise trade here. You know, the, the, the stock has Absolutely. really fallen about twenty six percent since since twenty twenty two. It's trading ten times earnings. It's has uh, got a three percent yield to it, Um and even though they're kind of late to the game, they're finally coming around to the EV market. They have plans to basically have three and a half million units by twenty thirty. Um, they're going to have thirty new models, and the one thing we know about Toyota is it is a marketing and a production behemoth. When they want to get serious about something, they will get serious. Their brand globally is second to none, in my opinion. So I think if they start stepping into this market, they're going to really perform well. Um, and I really like the stock just on a fundamental and evaluation. Fascinating.
1: And, and we know you're a, a big fan of Nike and have been for quite some time. But to, to see uh, it, the bigger uh, landscape here, I, it, this, is what, this is why people watch, Boris. Uh, we love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Boris Schlossberg with UK Asset Management. Coming up, are we witnessing AI's iPhone moment? We'll hear from one analyst who says we're on the brink of mass adoption and he's got the names he expects to benefit the most. As we head to break, take a look at the sectors on what's a very differentiated kind of trading day. Utilities and real estate, the worst groups, no surprise with higher rates. Energy, materials and industrials are the only ones in the green right now. Energy, the laggard year to date, up almost 2% today. We're back after this.
6: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called Writer's Block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI.
7: Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction.
6: Now I can say bye bye to Writer's Block.
7: Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work.
1: The well- Welcome back to The Exchange. It's been a seesaw in trading today. The Dow is back to negative territory by 19 points. At session lows, we are down 156. The Nasdaq is the underperformer today as rates are going higher. But let's take a look at the Chinese stocks as well. Interesting because they should be helping the Nasdaq. They're outperforming after their manufacturing ISM index came in way better than expected. Highest level in 11 years. You can see the effect it's having on Chinese equities. The KWEB is up, uh, where is it here, 4%. Large cap Chinese stocks, almost same amount MSCI China ETFs same story. And it's boosting the Nasdaq uh, as well. If we look at some of the Chinese e-commerce names, NetEase, PDD, formerly Pinduoduo, Baidu, JD.com, pretty nice rallies here. But again, it's being kind of gulped up by some of the down moves in the Nasdaq today. Let's switch gears to retail now, which is one area where we're clearly starting to see profit margin pressures as we move through this part of earnings season. So our uh, earnings editor, Robert Hum, crunched the numbers and take a look at this. We're going to start with last year's gross margin levels for Crocs, Kohl's, Target, and Walmart. Look at Crocs, by the way. Almost 64% gross margin a year ago. Kohl's around 33%. Keep this all in mind. What just happened? Take a look at the numbers this quarter. They are down sharply. Crocs, gross margin, well below estimates, 10 points down year on year, 53 percent. Kohl's similar story down to 32 percent. Target even saw a three-point drop. Walmarts, to their credit, fell less than a point, but these still miss Wall Street expectations. And remember, the bears are warning these profit margin declines will trigger future layoffs and even a broader recession. Let's get to Tyler Matheson now for the CNBC News
8: update. Tyler. On that cheery note, thank you, Kelly, uh, the prosecution has begun its closing argument in the uh, infamous murder trial of Alex Murdaugh, saying the disbarred South Carolina attorney is the only person who had the motive, the means, and the opportunity to kill his wife and son. Earlier today, the jury visited the family's property where the two were shot to death in 2021. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland defended himself on Capitol Hill today when GOP Senator Ted Cruz accused the Justice Department of sitting on its hands by not charging even one protester outside of uh, the homes of Supreme Court justices in the wake of its decision to restrict abortion rights. Garland said DOJ has defended the lives of justices by assigning 70 U.S. Marshals to protect them. And President Biden appeared this morning with his labor secretary nominee, Julie Sue, saying the current deputy secretary knows in her bones that working people deserve someone who will fight to make sure they don't get stiffed. Kelly, back to you.
1: Thank you, Tyler. See you soon. Still ahead, Salesforce on deck to report. And my next guest says having six activist investors may actually put Salesforce in the driver's seat. He explains why and what he's doing with the stock. In the meantime, that's next. Welcome back to the exchange. Salesforce out with fourth quarter earnings this afternoon. And earlier today, our own David Faber reporting activist investor Elliott Management has nominated a slate of directors to the board. This is about a month after Salesforce nominated a different activist, ValueAct CEO Mason Morfitt, to join. Today's release will be Salesforce's first opportunity to address the requests of the now six activist investors who have revealed stakes. CRM shares are up 25% this year, but off their one year highs by about the same amount. And my next guest says he might be a buyer, but only after. The dust settles. Joining me now is CNBC contributor Ken Squire. He is founder and president of 13D Monitor. Ken, you think this could actually give Salesforce? I don't know if we call it the upper hand, but um, some leverage here.
10: No, I, I don't. I don't think they have the leverage. Um, I think they made a mistake by settling with Value Act early on. I don't think it's a mistake to add Mason to the board. I think Mason's gonna be a great, great director, and be great for shareholders. But by putting three people and going from 10 to 13 people on the board, it really, they really lose flexibility with Elliot and Starboard and Third Point uh, in in their settlement discussions. And it didn't really prevent the proxy fight as we're hearing now with Elliott likely to be nominating and maybe Starboard, we'll see.
1: Is it unusual to have this many activists involved?
10: It's unprecedented. Um, five brand name activists in this in this company, and these are not five activists that you know got together and said, "Hey, let's do this." These are five independent uh, analysis and, and 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 independent thoughts and making independent investment decisions. So yeah, it's 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 extremely unusual. But
1: why are they continuing to pile on? I mean, if they all have different kind of takes on this, wouldn't they think, "Well, we could end up working across purposes, or we might have." Different goals or different thoughts on how to get there?
10: No, I think they all have very similar goals. I think they were they they, they want the margins uh, to be better. They want better capital allocation. They want to talk about succession. Um and and I and I think that each one wants to have a seat at the table. Um to 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 be able to create the value. Obviously, Mason Morfit has that, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if Elliot and Starboard at least. Um, also, um, would would like to be at the table.
1: Yeah, they probably want themselves in the boardroom more than Matthew McConaughey, for instance. Uh, yeah. Can uh, can he pull it off, uh, Benioff, uh, an Iger-like moment here, where he comes out with such a clear plan for achieving those goals that they all just back down and go, you know what, we're on board. It's over.
10: Yeah, he could come out with earnings that are amazing and a great plan. I don't see that happening here. I think the the Disney situation was a different situation. Nelson Peltz's plan was kind of derailed a little bit when when Bob Iger became CEO. You know, Nelson started his plan when Chapik was the CEO, um, and and it was a, a much bigger fight for him. Elliot is not trying. I don't see Elliot. Something really amazing would have to happen. I think for Elliot to not continue with their proxy fight and and Starboard as well.
1: So I always think as well of activists, of getting involved in stocks, they see tremendous upside because it's a costly campaign. It takes a lot of time. Could Salesforce really have that much upside? How undervalued do you think it is?
10: Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's trading at half where it was, was before. Their, 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 their peers have a margin and growth combination of close to 50, and they're, and they're in the 30s. Um, they, you know, they 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 want to bring their margins from 20 to 25. I think the activists, especially Starboard, thinks they can, the margins can get even a lot better than 25. So yeah, there's there is a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity here. And when you see five brand name activists that really are great value investors all interested, um, I think that's a huge indication that that there's a ton of value here.
1: And you would get involved if they are look like they're coming out ahead here.
10: You know, I would want to see. I mean, there's no reason to, to get involved now. I would want to see how, how you know, like you said, how the dust settles, who's going to be on the board uh, at the at the end of the day, you know, which actors. We, we analyze the activist catalyst and we want to we want to have uh, activists on the board that we think can create value. And we just, you know, no reason to get involved before you, you know exactly what that's going to look like.
1: All right. A growing boardroom, extra chairs uh, as this plays out. Ken, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Kelly. Ken Squire with 13D. Don't miss Jim Cramer's exclusive interview with Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff tonight on Mad Money. That is at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll see if it's an Iger repeat. Still ahead, shares of Eli Lilly higher today on the announcement they're cutting insulin prices. I'll tell you what's behind the move, but the shares are down more than 13% so far this year. And the broader healthcare sector taking a hit as well. Down 7% in 2023, despite some big fans of it. And some of the biggest names are well off their 52 week highs, like JJ down 18%, CVS down 25%, Pfizer down 28%. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Eli Lilly shares are higher after they announced they're slashing the price of insulin. Meg Terrell is here with the details and what's behind that move. Meg?
11: Hey Kelly. Well, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, After a lot of pressure from both the patient community uh, and from Washington, Eli Lilly is saying it is slashing the list price of its insulins by as much as 70%. Now, the list price is really important because that can be what patients are exposed to if they have a gap in insurance coverage or don't have insurance, for example. So they're cutting their branded insulins, Humalog and Humulin, these are multi-billion dollar products, by 70%. That'll start in the fourth quarter. They have a non-branded insulin they're going to bring down to $25 per vial. That's from more than 80 right now. They're also going to be launching an interchangeable biosimilar to a big um, insulin from Sanofi called Lantus for $92 per five-pack. In addition, they're saying they're going to guarantee $35 as the most patients will pay out of pocket at the pharmacy counter. This is important, Kelly, because patients have been forced to ration insulin if they can't afford it. More than 16% in the past year, according to a study back in November. That's more than a million people uh, in the country. And this can have real bad health consequences including, in a few cases, patients dying because they couldn't afford their insulins. This morning, Lilly held a media briefing, and we asked Dave Ricks, the CEO of Lilly, why this took so long. Here's what he said.
8: A post-patent, um, products should become cheap. I think that's the understanding that policymakers and Americans have about how our industry should work. That hadn't occurred uh, for insulin, and we thought the first and best way to do that would be to have competition. Uh, For reasons kind of unknown to me, um, this hasn't been a sector that biosimilar or generic companies have targeted.
11: So he's essentially saying the market was supposed to work here and and it didn't. So now they've taken this step. Meanwhile, the president lauding the move today, putting out a statement of the White House, uh, saying essentially it's a big deal and it's time for other manufacturers to follow. So we did reach out to the other two big insulin makers, Sanofi and Novo Nordisk. Uh, They got back to us detailing the many moves they've taken, similar to the previous ones from Lilly, to provide patient assistance uh, and to introduce lower cost versions to the market. No indication, Kelly, though, that they plan to follow suit in actually cutting Hmm. list prices. We'll have to see what they do. I wonder
1: if they will ultimately do so. Why are all the stocks up today?
11: Well, Lilly in particular is an interesting one. I was just talking um, with Evan Siegerman over at uh, BMO about this. He was saying the positive attention from the president is a good thing. And there's also potential for uh, more volume uh, of their insulin. As for why Novo Nordisk and Sanofi would be up on this as well, I'm not totally sure, Uh, maybe because this is seen as a leader in alleviating some of the pressure on insulin pricing, but we're going to have to actually see what happens in the marketplace.
1: Okay, Meg, thank you very much. Our Meg Terrell. And don't miss a first on CNBC interview with Eli Lilly's chair and CEO, David Ricks. You just heard from him there on Closing Bell Overtime today at 4 p.m. Eastern. We look forward to that. Still ahead, ChatGPT has been the talk of the town. And one equity strategist says it's on the brink of its, quote, iPhone moment. How far that could reach and the company's poised to benefit next. And CNBC's new show, Last Call with Brian Sullivan, debuts one week from today. You can catch it Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. The Exchange will be right back. Welcome back. Chat GPT. it's all the rage sparking debate from the classroom to the boardroom. And my next guest says AI is on the brink of its very own iPhone moment. And he's got a list of companies that are poised to benefit. Let's bring in Haim Israel, head of global thematic research at Bank of America, along with our own Steve Kovac. Welcome to you both. Your job would be very fun, Haim, I feel like, because do you get to just kind of like move from one of these big trends to the next? I mean, this is a biggie. Don't, we all have had that moment of using it for the first time going okay this is different and um, what are some of the best ways to play it do you think
12: well no think about it uh, this we are on the edge of a revolution definitely we are at the edge that it's going to have a mass market the adoption rate is unlike with anything we've seen with anything any technology is up until now um, the acceleration of the technology has been mind-boggling in four years the size of the models went up to almost two thousand times and the next version is probably going to be another 10 times at least in a couple of months' time. Wow. Nothing wow. we've done in the past. So I think that first and foremost, the biggest immediate winners are going to be the hardware, the picks and shovels, meaning processing power. You know that you know, in just in a decade, to train AI models, we had to jump 300,000 times in the processing power that we need. Wow. It is roughly wow. six times the more so Processing Power is definitely going to be one of the biggest winners over here. Data centers, because we're going to generate so much data and we're going to use so much data. Infrastructure around that. So those are going to be the immediate winners that we're going to see over here. But if I have a more long-term view, every industry could be a benefit here. We're in a defining moment when the iPhone mode, as you said. Uh, every industry, every company that will start using it, start uh, using data better in a much better, much right. easier way. We'll
1: win. You know, it's almost like thinking, okay, the iPhone is gonna benefit Chipotle. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of unpredictable, or it's gonna create Uber. I mean things like that. And just to make sure people caught what you said there, Jaima, there's three areas you see benefiting big tech uh, the search giants, semis and hardware, Nvidia, ASML, TSMC, Ariston Networks we don't talk about as much. And then the software analytics, the brains, you see Adobe, you see Palantir, SAP, some of those names benefiting. Steve, I, I just have to go back to the big tech uh, search wars here because we had some info from Bernstein this morning. So they're trading desk, but pointing out that Google gained market share yeah. in Feb. Microsoft actually lost it so slightly. There are the figures right there. And when I finally got to use Bing, uh, Bing's AI engine, it wasn't as good as, as the early it's I, not I think people BT, got. Right? Yeah, it's, it, it's
13: very different. And in fact, they kind of reduced its capabilities because it was giving all those wrong answers. Because when you go to a search engine, you want the right answer, right, Kelly? And I saw your tweet today about that research. And that really stuck out to me. I didn't even realize the Bing app fell down to like 150 or something in the App Store rankings, a sign that just the normal person hype has just completely evaporated. Right, they and, need
1: to bring back. Take the reins off. Exactly. <laughs> In a way, Haim, what we're trying to figure out is where is this going to go? And you know, if Microsoft wants to kind of keep the guardrails on, that's fine. But someone else is going to take them off.
12: Well, we have to, first of all, we have to think that the current version of, of the chat that we have right now, chat box, is, is we have to look at it as a better version. This is not what we're going to have very soon. Um, it's getting the committees are getting uh, very are getting better much faster. Uh, We're seeing the mass adoption happening. Think about it: that in five days, uh, more than more than uh, five million people will start using it. It's nothing that we've seen anywhere in, in the world up until now. It's only a better version. Remember that. So I think that no, we, it's going to get much better. We are waiting for the next version, which is probably going to come in a few months. There's no estimates of, of what how what the capability is going to be, but anywhere between 10 times to even more than that in terms of what we have now in only six sure. months' time. So I think that it just, we, we need to understand, we're just at the edge. Uh, and I have, to, uh, I have to compare it to the iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. First iPhone in 2007, we had no idea what to do with it. It was a fancy, funky device, but up until the application came, up until the App Store, and then the Google, uh, uh, the Google Play Store and the Android device, which really made the revolution, it took two, three years, Can you even imagine your life 10 years ago before you had a smartphone? This is exactly the defining moment we're in right now.
1: Agreed. Steve, one of the names here, Meta, introduced, what is Llama? I mean, (laughs) and why do they do it so under the radar? Right. Um, What are people saying about it? Well,
13: a lot of these companies have been working on the, Llama is short for their large language model. That's the kind of data sets that inform how ChatGPT and all these chatbots work. So, look, all these companies, the reason why we're seeing everyone announce it in rapid succession, they've been working on this for years. Google's been working on this for years. Facebook slash Meta, you could argue they've been a leader in AI for several years. It's all just under the hood, Kelly. Even Apple, what they're doing, all the, their artificial intelligence, you're not chatting with your iPhone or Siri directly, but a lot of AI is happening every time you take a photo, for example, every time you do a FaceTime call, all that image processing and stuff is AI. I do want to touch on what Haim just said about uh, the App Store, though, he's totally right. That opened up software development to millions more people all of a sudden. And I want to go back to what NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong said on his earnings call. He he made the same comparison the App Store, but I don't know about you, Kelly. I don't know how to code,
1: right? But I, know. I do
13: know how to speak like a human, right?
1: So what? what? So <laughs> I don't what, know about it if I do, but, but yeah. So
13: what this enables you to do on software development is it, it lowers the barrier to entry to be a software developer. You just need to tell the computer what you want to create instead of code it yourself.
1: Who so is the App Store? I mean, if I want to bet on the App Store and all the rest of it, I mean, does that just go back to each of these big tech players kind of having their own?
13: or well, not necessarily like if let's say if apple wanted to bring this kind of technology to app store development they would have to make it a, a, their own tool basically yeah. for developers to use so again just imagine instead of saying create a candy crush instead of coding a candy crush game you just tell it make a puzzle game exactly. and it does that. exactly
1: all right we'll leave it there gentlemen thank you both hi I'm, uh, good to meet you steve kovac thanks so thanks. much for joining us today and that does it for the exchange by the way if you want more thoughts on the market the economy and chat gpt you can sign up for my newsletter one easy step cmc.com/newsletters or hit that QR code on the screen. Coming up on Power Lunch, scale, smart homes and solar, we're trading three big earnings movers. There's Tyler getting ready. I will join him on the other side of this break.
4: From their innovative practice facility,